And we're back again with our quirky news for this week. And as always, well, not as always, but nearly always, we're joined by Brian Smith. G'day, Brian. G'day, David. And Errol Smith. G'day, Errol. G'day, David. And Errol, you're going to lead the way for us. Well, if you've been pinged by a speed camera and and thought the due process of contesting that ticket was daunting and not worth the effort, like most people, then consider yourself lucky that you at least had the chance. Because in the tiny town of New Miami in Ohio, um, they decided that they liked the revenue from their local speed camera on the highway US-127 so much that they didn't need to bother with the Constitution or anything and bypassed people's right to contest their tickets. Now, a court has ruled that that was a bit of a no-no and ordered the town to pay back the entirety of every single speeding ticket that they had collected, totaling well over three million US dollars. They love their constitutional rights over there, don't they? Yeah, they do. Yes. Wasn't there also another problem, though, too, was that they told them that there would be a 15, 15, 11 mile per hour tolerance and then people got booked for being less than that arbitrary cut-off point? Yeah, I think that, that, that's in, in, in Ohio. Yeah. Yes, it is. <laughs> yes, and I should point out that $3 million might not sound like a lot, but this is a town with only about 2,000 people in it. They lied about the tolerance, so I like the point that the constitutional whatever is being used that authorities must tell the truth. Apparently it doesn't apply to presidents, but, but it ought to apply certainly to all those who are in power. I like that. Yes, yes. Well, you know, it's there for a reason, and I guess the um, basically what happened is the town tried to override even the state laws um, and get around, you know, just basically saying, well, you know, it's not a fine it's something else. <laughs> That's right. A levy. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> it's a tax. Tax by another name. Yes. <laughs> you ever read the American Constitution? No, David. Have you? Uh, well, yeah, I've scanned through it. It's, a lot of it is process, bureaucratic process. The president has certain powers. Although it's interesting when, of course, it was written and Americans believe that it is so set in stone, the president was the commander-in-chief of the army and the navy because there wasn't such a thing as an air force. Oh, of course. Yeah. You know, which, of course, comes this whole thing that uh, people believe the constitutional right to have guns. And they believe that because the Constitution is this immovable thing that is so set in stone, like the Ten Commandments, it's so written that it's fantastic. And, of course, it was the comedian, the Australian comedian, Jeff. Uh, James, Jeff, Jim Jeffries, who said, yes, that's very good, except the, the part that you're relying on is called an amendment. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> he, he, he used far more uh, profane language to describe it. But I like the, th- I mean, if you read the thing at the beginning, we, the people of the United States, in order to form a more perfect unit, establish justice, ensure domestic tranquility, provide for the common defence, promote the general welfare, you've got to admit that, that there's just, that's got nothing to do with the politics of the day. The Australian, of course, uh, constitution doesn't have a Bill of Rights. It doesn't have that sort of overriding principle that they want to it, and uh, perhaps it should. But, of course, it doesn't mean anything to Americans as long as you can uh, claim that it suits your cause. I've digressed. 
Brian, you have a story for us. Yes, David, we've reported previously on changes to the agreement between you, the owner of a vehicle, and the vehicle's manufacturer that are coming in with the increasing uh, technology included in vehicles. And uh, uh, increasing computerization can mean that uh, you don't actually have the right to repair your own vehicle. And this is no more seen, uh, no more importantly seen than in the world of the tractor, where um, for quite some time, uh, manufacturers like John Deere have been not so much selling tractors to people, but uh, giving them a license to operate the vehicle. And then they lock the user, the owner, into an agreement that prevents them from even looking at the software that operates the tractor and the signals that it generates. So, so no longer can a farmer repair their vehicle. They have to use an authorised repairer. And some of the problems that can occur where um, uh, tractor owners are forced to put up with a, a warning tone going off or... or um, some problem that they know they should be able to fix themselves but are required to use the manufacturer. So in the States, the Americans, uh, farmers are now pushing for uh, fair repair bills, which would require companies to provide uh, consumers and independent repair shops with access to the service manuals, the diagnostic tools and the, and the parts like that. So they're not just limited to a single supplier of those repairs and and at the same time a number of, of uh, tractor owners are now um, using ukrainian hacked software that they're downloading from special forums to allow them to do the diagnostics as some farmers talked about it they say um, you used to just need um, tools for the job and now you need tools and software to to do mm. a simple repair yeah, they've got this um, sort of um, – some farmers have got this nightmare scenario where John Deere could remotely shut down their tractor and there wouldn't be anything they could mm. do about it yeah. because they, <laughs> they could just decide arbitrarily that you've installed an illegal part and we're going to stop your tractor from functioning. Yeah, absolutely. And it's quite feasible for them to do that, for them to uh, – effectively say, um, well, you know, if you've breached our license, our agreement, then we withdraw your right to use the, the thing. So, yes. your, so there's a question quarter, of ownership. Quarter is, of, yeah, it's a quarter yes. of a million dollars for, yeah, for some yeah. of these so things. This concept of ownership is changing hugely in, in very substantial ways um, with computerization. I'm not into understanding about hacking software, but could I get their new software and put it on my old machine? I wonder whether, and then get a, a cheap Ukrainian copy cheap of upgrade. it. Cheap upgrade. Mm. Yes. <laughs> well, you might have to download a hack for your car in future, David. My sons often talk about a cheat as well, that uh, if you have a system that says, oh, you need to pay more money in order to get this, that there's a way around it. But I find this whole thing un-Australian because the Australian was the classic bush mechanic, that they could fix things or make things with a bit of fencing wire and a, a pliers, and now they're going totally against this in this modern world. I met the bloke we've had on the program before, Matt Wood, who, who's a, a, a journalist in in motoring, mainly to do with the more uh, like commercial vehicles and so on. Lovely bloke. He's going tractor racing, 
And, of course, it's a lovely – in Australia, it's knockabout. In America, it's big business with huge sponsorships. But in Australia, it's – a question was genuinely honestly asked whether a guy was pondering whether a World War II radial engine might be the way to go. Now, isn't that lovely? And, <laughs> and you'd put it together with fencing wire. You know, I tell you what, a lot of people now buying diesel engine pickups and, and SUVs – and they're very sophisticated diesels. I was talking to a guy who does go you know, bush, going out in the bush. He wouldn't want one. He said, because one whiff of slightly dirty diesel and they stop. And if you stop out on the Canning Trail uh, track, you the, the tow fee to start with is $15,000. <laughs> wow. And these modern diesel engines, which, of course, are more efficient, but, of course, they're more sensitive. And so they need the more ideal conditions to do it. No more bush mechanics. Yeah. Uh, you, know, mm. you, know, you know, the classic bush mechanics, oh, that doesn't sound good. That means it's going to cost you $5,000. Or if they say, oh, that doesn't sound good, darling, that will cost you $6,000. <laughs> <laughs> it's the first Toyota SUVs or utes uh, and that that sort of came out here particularly for the snowy mountain scheme were pride of themselves in having a very simple engine so that you you weren't caught in the bush worried about a v-notch double overhead cam belt to drive the thing you just sort of got it going now a new story started life as a traffic engineer and this is a story about letting your fascination indeed your desire for control through technology to overpower your logic and your concern for the driver so consequently being a traffic engineer i love it it sounds like a great idea this is a small town in dresden well not small town but in dresden there is a place that has had a red traffic light for 28 years not that it's been there for 28 years, but it's been on for 28 years with no corresponding time for a green or amber light. And the great thing about it is they actually justify it, that they use the local rules and regulations to say this is remarkably good and it's the appropriate thing to do. Uh, gentlemen, is this traffic engineering uh, gone? You know, power gone to your head? David, I think it's quite German. Um, the, the, the rule means, the green light means transport is free to go. All the other lights in conflict must show red. And so it's just an application of the, of the rules, isn't it, in a very Germanic mm. way. Mm. Yes, they're just taking the rule very literally. And they've decided that having a red light that they have to maintain would be um, closer to the rules than just having a stop sign or a do not yes. enter. yes. But if you have a red light, that seems to indicate that at some stage you might eventually get a green one. Mm. Yeah, I, I wonder, wonder how they tell people, don't wait here. Don't wait at the light. It's not going to change. Yeah, I wonder how many sort of tourists and, and people from out of town have uh, sat there waiting and eventually just given up. What does your sat-nav do? Yeah, that's very confusing, isn't it? Mm. My favourite part of the story is that uh, you know, there is quite a substantial annual maintenance cost involved in, in having this thing. It's something like uh, about, I think, 5,500 euros per year in operating costs. And, and the annual maintenance costs include not just replacement red light bulbs, which you might expect would burn out, but amber and green ones as well, even though they are never used. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking about the sat-nav. If you're the person that chooses 
the quickest time, you would never go down there. But if you're the person that chooses the shortest distance, you might end up waiting more than 28 years in one spot. <laughs> yes. <laughs> all right. Well, finally, Errol, uh, there's a story that you yourself, you yourself have uh, pursued. Can you tell us more about it? Well, David, anarchism is the belief in the abolition of all governments and the organisation of a society on a voluntary cooperative basis without recourse to force or compulsion. <laughs> That's very important. Um, and so it is with potholes, obviously. Mm. Mm. Obviously. Well, it, it is in Portland, Oregon anyway, where a group calling themselves Portland Anarchist Road Care, can't make this stuff up, they are sticking it to capitalism and the coercive hierarchies in our society by fixing potholes for free. <laughs> the local government, who they are, of course, rebelling against, is not amused, but locals seem to be quite happy that their potholes are getting fixed. Why doesn't local government like it? I mean, surely it must be saving them money. It's a question of power, is that you're, you know, it might be good for you to do it, it might be cost-efficient for you to do it, but I'm supposed to do it, so go away. What if they don't do a very good job? David. Well, that's true. Yeah, I mean, they may just be filling it. With Compared to what? I mean... <laughs> <laughs> that's true. That's true. Sorry, I meant that in the sense of compared to a pothole, but I could also mean it in the sense of compared to what council would do as well. Well, look, I, I mean, I'm intrigued by the, the anarchist element here. I just wonder whether sometimes when you ring up to, to uh, you know, report one pothole, they might actually go out and fill a completely different one. You know, just just because they're anarchists. <laughs> yes. <laughs> to some degree, minimal government is a mantra of the political right, particularly in America. So one presumes that most of the people out there filling these potholes would be Republicans. Okay. Mm. Yeah, do you think so? Yeah, but they, they want small government, <laughs> that, uh, David. Anarchists want no government. <laughs> <laughs> well, the right wing tends to take that to extreme. That don't, don't they take everything to extremes? <laughs> so the leftists are actually the rightists. That's the way it works. Well, it could be. If, I mean, if you look at current policies, I mean, they're at the uh, antithesis of what the right wing has been saying all over the world for years. Free trade was, uh, you know, the great fanfare thing of the right wing it's now being uh, condemned as being terrible it's mm. Mm. but um but david uh, the, they claim that their numbers are growing and that someday they might even branch out into other forms of infrastructure repair <laughs> what like bridges trains and bridges <laughs> <laughs> they, they, they said and i quote it is necessary to build the community networks that we envision for a post-revolutionary society Ah, we're ready for that. Sounds like something from Monty Python. <laughs> and thank you, gentlemen. I always appreciate your time and effort. So thank you, Brian, and thank you, Errol. You're welcome. No worries, David. And uh, Brian Smith and Errol Smith, and we were talking unusual stories in the wonderful world of motoring and transport. <laughs>